Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about real life. And now, here's your host and my friend, David Higginbotham. Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast. Uh, my name's David Higginbotham, and I'm with Tom Kalanov. Tom, how are you, buddy? Hey, doing great in sunny, hot Kansas City. Well, we're getting that way in uh, we're getting that way in Waco. The the heat is is cranking up. We're moving out of spring and into southern, summer at a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be wishing for those cooler weathers here pretty soon. The, the, this podcast is uh, a bonus podcast, which is a follow up <laughs> to um, a previous bonus podcast that we had that focused on learning how to live loved. And we were talking about the love of God toward us and how magnificent and mag- how, how majestic it is. And, and a couple of questions came out from some people um, uh, concerning some of the things that we said, Tom, and you and I have discussed this. And yes. we're going to talk about two of those things today, those of you who are listening. So we're going to go back to the previous podcast and try to bring some clarity to a couple of statements that I said that caught some people off guard. Um, that were they were going, whoa, what? Because it sounded different than things that they had generally heard or learned. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about today, Tom. Well, what's what's the first one we're going to deal with? The first one, never been. I've never been a disappointment to God. And I actually re-listened to the last episode uh, this morning. And one of the things you said, you said, when I sin, God isn't disappointed. He isn't stomping around heaven angry. And you had a discussion from just for folks that want to check it out again from about five minutes in till a little over 15 minutes in. So a pretty good chunk of that last episode was regarding that very thing that you've never, and as a matter of fact, you use the term, you're never, not a disappointment to God in there a couple times. So that we've never been a disappointment to God. So we'll start with that. Yeah. Okay. That's a good place to start because it is somewhat of a challenging statement for people who are used to believing that um, God was waiting in heaven for them to screw up one more time. You know what I mean? Um, but let's, let's talk through this in, in, a, in a logical format, Tom. First of all, have you been trained and taught in church that God is omniscient? Yeah, he knows everything. God knows Everything. He knows all things. If God knows everything, does he know everything about me and everything that is happening in my life? Absolutely. And, you know, a good psalm for that, you know, Psalm 139. I mean, he knows my rising. He knows my sitting down. He knows this. He knows that. I mean, it goes great, great psalm. Yeah. And David said, is there any place that I could go to get away from his presence? I mean, is there some place where I could go and hide? So God's not aware of what's happening in my life. Well, if if those things are true, does this mean that I can never surprise God? Yeah. I mean, if if God knows everything about you in your life, and the scripture tells us before the thoughts even come into our mind, he knows. Right. If that's true, then it's impossible for us to do something which catches God off guard. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, that makes total sense. So if it's impossible for me to do something that surprises God, that means it's impossible for me to disappoint God because 
Disappointment is an emotional response to an unexpected or unanticipated outcome or event. Mm -hmm. If something happens that I didn't expect to happen, and it's a negative thing, I, I, I might be disappointed. But I'm surprised. And the same goes for you. You know, we've all had these, right? I mean, we've all had disappointments. We've had things that didn't happen that we thought would. Right. We've had things that did happen that we thought wouldn't. But God's not like that. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things that I believe, I believe is true about modern, the modern American version of Christianity. Let me put it that way. <laughs> You're trying to be gentle. I know. I'm being, I'm being, I'm being <laughs> polite. The modern American version of Christianity is pretty familiar with verses, but not familiar with the scriptures. Man. And we are <clears throat> verse-focused and biblically illiterate. Well, David, one thing you, you said, uh, we, a group of us used to meet in Kansas City. I'm not going to get on a big tangent, but but David used the term, first place I ever heard it, isogesis. And basically, you take 10 scriptures from 10 different books and 10 different contexts, and you put them on the same sheet of paper, and voila, they're all related now. And, and they're related because I started with my own idea and the <laughs> thought that I had in mind, and I, I go verse shopping to mm -hmm. find things that either sort of lend uh, credence to what I'm saying, or I frame them in such a way out of their original context to try to make them say something that I believe to be true. And it's a challenge because we've most of the things that we believe, and again, I don't want to get into the tall grass too much, most of the things that we believe um, about God, we believe because somebody stood up in a room in front of us and said them about him, right. rather than our active, personal, direct engagement with the scriptures and with prayer and, uh, uh, and the conversation among the community, because there is this collective wisdom and understanding about who God is. I need to hear that from you, and you need to hear that from me, because none of us has uh, none of us have cornered the market on on understanding God, right? And so, if we can't if we can't surprise God, then we can't disappoint Him. So it's just impossible to support to to surprise God, and it's impossible to disappoint Him. Hmm. Then why is it that? we feel, and we've all felt this, why is it that we feel like we're a disappointment? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Because people do feel like a disappointment. I, I, I lived that way for several decades. And waiting for the next shoe to drop, so to speak, hmm. you know. And it's because, I believe, I believe it's because We've all been raised in a culture where acceptance is connected in some way to our performance. We've been raised in a culture within our families, within schools, within communities, um, and parents place expectations on children, and if they meet them, 
happy day. If they don't, disappointment. Mm. I mean, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to over the years who've told me specifically that their father, particularly, was disappointed in them and their maybe their academics or their athletics or their social standing or any number of things. And because there's an expectation that's placed on you, you are you feel the pressure to measure up to that expectation. Mm-hmm. And if you don't measure up to that expectation, then you feel the weight of guilt, perhaps of shame, of disappointment that comes with not measuring up to the expectation that your parents had or your coach had or your teachers had. I remember when I was in the ninth grade, I had a particular class that I did not do well in. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't relate to that. I mean, I was just just, average all the way through, man. I I had some that I did well in and some that I didn't. And this was one of those that I didn't. And that I went to see the teacher. I was carrying my yearbook around the last, you know, the last few mm-hmm. days of class. And the teacher said, David, let me, let me write in your yearbook. And so I gave the, the yearbook to, to her and she wrote uh, in my, and by her picture, she wrote me this little message and the message essentially, and I don't remember if this is the exact wording, but this is essentially what it said. David, I enjoyed having you in class this year. You're a fine young man. You have great potential. I hope that you reach it. Mm. And I, yeah, it was just, <laughs> and, and for me, for me, it was just one more potential log that was placed mm. in my backpack or potential rock. Right. And so I, I carried this weight of potential uh, from, that was given to me, well-intended, well-intended, but the the what I heard was, you're not living up to 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 the level of 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 expectation, and I carried that, and that by the time that I was out of high school, the backpack was full, hmm. and I carried that for years. I came to Christ, I came into ministry, and I heard the same things again. And I, I, I felt, and I, I believe a lot of this was internalized. It was my, my issue, you know. But I, I always felt like there's more that I can do. I can do it more. I can do better. Uh, I'm not doing enough. And um, I carried that weight of, hmm. of, 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 of potential, that weight of expectation for years and years and years and years. And it was one of the things that led to me over the course of about a 30-year period, winding up in burnout twice. And uh, I I always felt like I wasn't measuring up. I, I really did feel like I was, I, I was, uh, I was a disappointment to God because I could have done more, Tom. So using your term, how did you finally unload that backpack? How did you finally get rid of all those rocks? <clears throat> well, I walked through that series of questions that I asked you when we first got started. Mm. I was studying on the nature of God and was doing some things, studying some stuff, <clears throat> preparing to preach, actually. Isn't that amazing? 
in. I'm studying about, and I'm I'm talking about the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, the the the, the never changing, and, and these various characteristics of who God is. And I'm thinking about this whole omniscient thing, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, if God knows me from beginning to end, if he knows the alpha and the omega, if he knows everything, and I'm reading Psalm 139, and I'm reading these other scriptures about all that God knows, and the light bulb comes on, if God knows everything about me, and by this time I'd been pastoring for years, okay, and I'm, I'm making this discovery, how embarrassing is that? Well, it's not, it's not embarrassing at all now because I know that the vast majority of people who stand in pulpits every week are faking it a lot of the times too, okay? <laughs> they're just getting by. They're getting their heads above water. You know, they're just people. Mm-hmm. If that's, if that's true, and I knew it was true, how can I possibly surprise God? I had, I just, I can't, that means I can't disappoint God. God's never been surprised when I've sinned. Hmm. And if God's never been surprised when, I'm, when I sinned, when I failed, when I lost my temper, whenever I did whatever, God was never surprised. Mm-hmm. And because he wasn't surprised, he was never disappointed. Yeah. And if he's never been disappointed in me, then I have never been a disappointment to him. Mm. Mm. You see, Tom, most of us live our lives as if God is a perfect version of us. Of us. You know, God, God is a perfect version of me. He's like me without all the mistakes. God's like humans, but he's perfect. And the scripture says, God says in the scripture, I'm not a man. Right. I'm not a man. And, yeah. And and we we are created in the image of God. God is not created in our image. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? In our own minds, we tend to create him in our image. Exactly. But, yeah, but he certainly is not. And so... I was raised in a culture where my sense of being accepted was connected to my performance. I internalized that. Mm -hmm. I carried that over into my relationship with God. My sense of being accepted by God was related to my sense of my performance. And I lived under that weight for 30 years. And, uh, well, 35, however long it was. But I can tell you this, the past 15 to 17 years, I ain't living like that no more. Right. I'm just not because I've come to believe that the truth is, according to the scripture, God knows. And if God knows, I can relax. That's right. In terms of his approval of me. Well, David, all of social media was blowing up over the scandal of these questions that we got, these points you made that we've never been a disappointment to God. But this next one, Oh my goodness. The, yeah. the, the, the uproar was just overwhelming <laughs> that we've never, the uproar, I the uproar is deafening. Yeah. <laughs> that we've never breathed an unforgiven right. breath. You never have. That, no, yeah, that we've yeah. never breathed an unforgiven breath. And that's something that we don't hear. So well, go ahead and unpack. Yeah. I, I, let me tell you what I mean by, You've never breathed an unforgiven breath. As far as God's concerned, 
the issue of your forgiveness is settled. Uh, tell me something, Tom. <clears throat> when did Jesus die for your sins? A couple thousand years ago. Yeah, that's a good round number. You know, a couple thousand years ago. A long time before you were born or even any relatives whose names you know were born. Right. Okay. <clears throat> and Paul says... And the writer of Hebrews says that, that Jesus tasted death for every man. Mm. And when he used the term man there, he's talking about humans, okay, not men as opposed to women or adults as opposed to children. That God sent his only begotten son. He tasted death for every human. Make sense? Are we tracking? Sense. Yes. Yep. Hebrews 10 talks about Christ making a once-for-all sacrifice for sin. One sacrifice. And he covers the sin. He, he provides the sacrifice which deals with the sin for every man, woman, or child from Adam till the end of time. Hmm. Now, you start thinking about that, meditate on that for a bit, it explodes your mind because it's too big. It's huge. Well, and you've shared uh, conversations you've had with people before where they have, they, they hear that, but then they still look at the sins that have taken place even recently. Well, that can't be covered. I, I mean, how can people really all this comes by revelation. How can people really begin to apprehend the, and, and you, I want to be really clear. Last time you talked about what happens in heaven right. when we sin, nothing. What happens on earth when we sin? A whole bunch of really bad stuff can happen on earth sure. when we sin. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead and just no. unpack that a little bit. The, the writer of Hebrews says that there's only one sacrifice for sin, and that's the one that Christ made. So if there is a sin in your life or in my life or in somebody else's life or anywhere that isn't covered by, isn't dealt with, the sacrifice that Jesus made, that once for all sacrifice that Jesus made, if there is a sin somewhere that isn't covered by that, then we have a real problem because hmm. there isn't any other sacrifice. As far as God's concerned, there's not another sacrifice. But think of it this way. Could you die for my sins, Tom? You, no. you might you, you might think, oh man, David's a great guy. I love him. He's like a brother. You know what? I'm gonna die for his sins. Well, you go to God and say, I'm here to die for David Higginbotham's sin. And God looks at the, the book and says, Oh, hey, that's that's wonderful. How kind of you. But uh you have to die for your own. <laughs> if you can get someone to die for your sins, then you can die for David's sins. Okay, and you so look for someone who would who would possibly die for a righteous man. Well, there may be somebody yeah. who, but no, it, it 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 doesn't happen because there's only one sacrifice that's acceptable before God, and that's the one of His only begotten Son. And so, Jesus tasted death for all men. It, it, because, what's the wages of sin? Death. So who has to pay the wages of sin? The one who's earned it. Who has to re deal with that? Death is death is the wage of sin. And if you've earned, if you've worked, who gets the wages? Mm. 
We do. You do. See, I, I can't collect your wages. You collect your wages, and I mm-hmm. collect mine. And all of us, according to Paul, have have engaged in life in such a way as to have earned the wage of death for all of our sin. So Jesus died to pay that penalty. And it happened 2,000 years ago. His sacrifice took place then. God was making peace with mankind through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It was anticipated at the birth of Jesus. What did the angels sing to the shepherds? Mm -hmm. Glory to God in the highest Mm -hmm. and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. From whom? From God. From God. Not that not not peace and, and men are going to have goodwill toward one another. Peace and goodwill toward men. It starts there. See, we've been trained through the American version of Christianity, the modern day American version of Christianity. We've been trained to believe that we're just one step away from getting smacked by God. Religion uses guilt and manipulation and fear to keep people in line. So you start telling people that they're as forgiven as they're ever going to be and that Christ died for their sins once for all and God has made peace with them, has offered them life everlasting and has simply said this. God has simply said this. Will you change your mind about the things that you believe concerning me? And the way life is, Mm -hmm. repent. And will you receive this gift of life that I'm offering you? Will you do that? He says, change your mind and believe the good news. The good news is all of your sins have been taken away. Righteousness is now yours as a gift. Righteousness simply means being rightly related to God. And you will be rightly related to God if you will just simply receive this as a gift. You see, you're as forgiven as you're ever going to be because you are completely and fully forgiven by God now. Mm-hmm. now will, will you receive it? Yeah. Well, what do I have to do? Well, change your mind about what you've been trained to believe about God. Believe the truth from the scriptures, which is the gospel, and just live your life. What? It, I was talking with this about this with a guy a number of years ago, probably in Can- the guy in St. Kansas City. And he sat across the table from me in the Starbucks where you and I mm-hmm. meet. Many times. He, he, he sat across the table from me and he's and his eyes are beginning to water up and 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 he said and that's start shaking his head and he said that's too good to be true mm. and i said if what you're hearing is too good to be true it's probably the gospel yeah yep one teacher that i listened to he says uh, on earth uh, with human relations when something's too good to be true somebody's about to be conned 
Right. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to God, if it's not too good to be true, it's not God. You see, so, yeah, that's good. So tying this up, because I know you wanted to keep this brief. Tying this up, how do, again, these things come by revelation, but what are some practical ways people can become, can wrap their mind, wrap their heart around the fact that they've never been a, dis- and these are facts, they've never been a disappointment to God. They've never breathed an unforgiven breath. What are some practical ways that people can begin to walk in that truth? Well, first of all, um, this is going to sound like an old, grumpy old man. Um, Put down your device that you're listening to this podcast on. (laughs) After you finish the podcast, put down your device. (laughs) Turn off your TV. Do do something that gets you out of the normal routine of what you've been doing and begin to engage with the scripture, with the scriptures in, in larger portions than you're used to. Hmm. Um, get a, a more modern translation. Uh, you know, the first Bible I ever read was a King James and I, mm-hmm. I got one, I used one for years, but I eventually came to the conclusion I need something that's a bit more, um, as it has a bit more modern sound to it. If I can interject, David always would joke. He said, yeah, the King James Bible is the only Bible. It was good enough for Paul. It's right. good enough for me. Well, <laughs> when I get to heaven, Paul will forgive me for this. You know, um, <clears throat> something that's, that's a bit more narrative, a little easier to read. And, and just, and just go read Colossians. Mm. Go read Galatians, just a few chapters. Um, read read through the Gospel of John. Uh, you know, just just go and expose yourself to larger portions of the Scripture than you're used to. And just just don't don't look for don't look for doctrine, don't look for truth. In terms of information, just just go and ask God to show you Jesus, and begin to engage with the Scriptures. I tell you what, Tom, I, the the changes, the vast majority of the changes that have happened in my life, I'm, I'm going to say, in the past fifteen to seventeen years, have not come about because I read somebody's book. Although some books have been really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I listen to a podcast, although there are some podcasts that have been really helpful. It's not because I heard a sermon series, although there are some sermon series that have been helpful. It's because I've taken some time and I've I've, I've tried to engage with the scriptures, not looking for anything other than Jesus, and just open my heart to say, Father, help me, help me to help me to to know you more, help me to understand more. And just allow the Word of God uh, to to be activated in your heart by the Spirit of God. The words of God activated by the Spirit of God uh, helps to bring change into your life. And that's that's the kind of change that sticks, Tom. Mm -hmm. 
It's the kind of change because you begin to see things differently. We have to repent. And repent doesn't mean get all sorry and cry and weep and moan, although you might do that. I've done that sometimes when I was repenting. But repentance is we have to come to see things differently. Mm -hmm. We have to have a changed mind. One of the changed minds that people need to have is uh, is their view of God as being angry at them. God's never been angry at us. Mm-hmm. He's never been angry at you. Well, in the Old Testament, well, you're not living in the Old Testament. You're living on this side of the cross. Mm-hmm. Well, good teacher, forget about it. Forget about the Old Testament. Now, that's going to get me in trouble. Yep. For, forget about going to the Old Testament to find your doctrine about who God is. Because if your doctrine from the Old Testament about who God is doesn't line up with who Jesus reveals the Father to be, you've got a problem. Right. Let's go to Jesus. Now, the Old Testament has a lot of things to say to us, some really important things to say to us about God. But let's don't start there. Let, let's, let's go and engage with the Scriptures and ask the Father, Father, help me to understand you and your heart toward the world mm-hmm. and your heart toward me. I want, I, I want to change my mind so that my mind lines up in a greater level, in more harmony with the Scriptures and with mm-hmm. what the Spirit of God's doing in the world today. Mm. That's good. And last time you mentioned Galatians, this time you mentioned Galatians along with some other books. And this is what I wrote down. This is my challenge. Folks, if you want to do it, go for it. But I wrote down, I'm going to read Galatians. I'm going to look for Jesus in these scriptures. And I'm going to ask, Papa, what is your heart for me? And what are your thoughts towards me? And and I love what you said about taking a bigger chunk of scripture and looking at it all together. I think that's going to be a really good thing for me to do. Any closing thoughts you have? If you know John 3.16 and you don't know John 3.15 and John 3.17, you Mm. probably should go look at those two. Good. We've got to get away from this attachment to verses. Because remember, the scriptures weren't written with verses and chapters. Those were added a thousand years later. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It helps us to find things. But go with the bigger section. You know, for for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, right? but that the world through him might be saved. The purpose Jesus came was so that the world might be saved. That'll get you in trouble if you think about that too much. <laughs> but go think about it anyway. Exactly. Do, do do we do you feel like we've sort of think we're at a good spot I think here? I think we're giving some help to some folks here. These at the very beginning, you talked about not wanting to go too. I don't know if we were recording, but you talked about not wanting to go too deep into the weeds. These are things, even living loved, that we talked about last time on the bonus episode. These are things that you could. You could do a lot of bonus episodes on them. And the next bonus episode we are going to do is about loving others. Yeah, And, and at really some point, good. we're going to be putting that one out. So I think this is going to be helpful, definitely. 
Well, I hope so, because the more I come to understand, the more I come to understand the love that God has for me and the nature of that love and what it looks like and what it feels like, that he is not disappointed in me, that I am completely and totally forgiven in Christ Jesus. The more I come to understand that, the more I'm going to be able to love other people in the same way that God's loving me. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay, bud. Listen, thanks so much. I appreciate you joining me, Tom. And thank you for listening to us, folks. We'll be back uh, soon with another episode talking about the love and the grace of God and how you can learn to love other people in the same way that you're being loved. Godspeed till next time. Thank you for choosing the Learning to Thrive podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. Please check the show notes where you can learn more about today's episode. Give us a rating, tell your friends, and join us again next week. Together, we are learning to thrive.